So, um, last two weeks ago, Olori was speaking, and he started off last two weeks ago by sort of sharing a bit of his, his I don't know, weakness and, and, and like uncertainty about things. And I sort of want to start the same myself as well. Um, uh, I have to say, uh, I sort of am aware that for some people, this last year, has it been a year, nearly? Oh, um, has been a really tough time in different ways. One of the things that struck me, um, looking back on this last year a bit, was that actually, you can sort of say we've all been through the same experience. We've all been through pandemic and COVID and lockdown, haven't we? But actually, it's not true. The experience has been completely different for many of us. Some of us have had you know, stable incomes and have lovely houses sitting and whatever and have been relaxed and uh, lots of time. Others of us have been washed off our feet because we've been in jobs or whatever where the pressure's really piled on. Yeah? And some of us, you know, like I said, have got like I say, stable incomes or whatever, pensions, or, and some of us actually are really tr- struggling because work's dried up or you know, we haven't got those commissions or we've lost our jobs entirely. Um, I, I mean, it's just, it's, it's something struck me that actually it's a very different experience for different people. Clearly it's different for, you know, me and Ali and Cheshire boys with no kids at home. We miss our kids desperately, particularly the ones in Uganda. But we haven't got homeschooling five and six-year-olds, thank goodness. I mean, goodness knows what I'd be like if I'd been trying to do that um, over the last... And some people, you know, stuck in, I don't know, small accommodation with homeschooling. And it has been a very different experience given the overall thing has been the same for everybody. And for me personally, so it is a personal thing, one of the things I found really hard, I think, is the inability to plan. Now, in the end, I, am a pl- I, I, I know I shouldn't be, but in the end, I'm a planner, right? You know, my head is a spreadsheet. Well, I don't mean my head is a spreadsheet. I mean, inside my head, it's a spreadsheet, all right? You know, I, I like to know what, where we're going, and, and I, I love that sort of sequential thing about this and then this and then that. Um, and one of the things I've had really hard is you just can't do it this last year. As soon as you do it, it all falls apart. And, and, and I, found that, I found that really deeply quite you know, challenging. Uh, and for me personally, uh, I found the whole thing, I mean, we've had some fantastic encouraging prophecies. Uh, and I suppose one of the good things about this last year is that we've been perhaps a, a church, been, have we been more open to that? Have we, is that a sort of thing that's happening anyway? Is it rather like the online buying stuff where it was happening anyhow, but the pandemic's like accelerated it? Is it one of the effects of this that we've had to rely more on what God's saying? I don't know. But for me, there's been a huge amount of, uh, of stuff that's come by revelation. Uh, and there's particularly stuff about revival, which we're really on this evening, really, in this theme. It, it, you know, I, I, it's not the sort of revival I thought would be. And I've had to somehow realign my thinking. Um, I, I read some of the books after um, Celebrate two, 18 months ago, and Stuart spoke about it. You know, in my head, what I want to plan <laughs> is <laughs> the program that happens. But in reality, it's not, not possible. And I, for me personally, I found that quite hard. Um, and I think that's a learning thing for me uh, to learn to live much more uh, almost like short term with God. And I want to talk tonight, the, the theme I've given is breakout. And I'm going to take a particular scripture picture of that, which I'm sure is, has got real resonances for us. And you'll pick them up, and I might pick some directly, but I'm going to talk about the historic situation uh, of the people of Israel when they come to the point of their breakout. 
Because breakout, well, what does breakout mean to you? If I had a lot of people here, I'd say, take 10 seconds and talk to the young person next to you. What does, what does the word breakout mean to you? Don't do it because you can't talk to each other. It's illegal. But there we go. But does it, who, to whom does the word breakout remind them of the Atari game uh, from 1976 on the very early computers? No one? You're so young. For whom does the word breakout remind them of Zoom and breakout rooms? Now, you wouldn't say that a year ago, would you? Who even knew what Zoom was a year ago? For me, when I looked at this title, and I have to say it's the first thing that came from Holy Spirit. I prayed, looked at the title and prayed about it, because Lord gives a title here rather than a passage. The picture that came to my mind was the military use of that word. And the, one of the classic things is, if you're a bit of a historian of military history, uh, Second World War, Normandy, invasion, got on the beaches, got a really good beachhead, and it's pretty much stuck. Got landed, got all the supply lines going, weren't being getting pushed off the beaches. We had a good, good bridgehead, a lot, quite large area, but really weren't getting anywhere. And there's an operation called Cobra, where the US First Army punched south out of Cherbourg and right round and pretty much encircled the remainder of the German army in Normandy called the Falaise Pocket, if you want to look it up. And, and they broke out of the little bridgehead. And in doing so, they got real freedom of movement uh, and off they went. And that's the, the, that's the, I think, the thing I want to share with you uh, tonight. I want to talk about when God's people come into a situation where they know like strategic direction and promise have to deal with what do we actually do now? How do we break out? How do we break into this, into this promise that's given to us? Do you understand that? Does that make sense? And I sort of feel a little bit that's where we are, for me anyway. Now, if this is personal, it's no bad thing sometimes just preaching to yourself. <laughs> All right? <laughs> but if it works for us, the church, and for you individually, then just hold it. But weigh it as you hold it. Hold it with the Holy Spirit, because I'm going to say stuff I think is vaguely prophetic, but it's, it's, I'm pushing it a bit, I know, in places uh, to what it stands for. And the example that came to me, the, I think it's the obvious example, um, I, really, I've only got one verse, really. It's only half a verse at that. And, it, and it's, it's, it's the less well-known half of a verse that's very well-known, actually. Uh, and I want to use Joshua 5.13a. And it just says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up. Okay, context here. Joshua is now the leader of the people of Israel. They've done their 40 years in the wilderness. Remember, they came out of Egypt... The spies went out, Josh was one of them, and he did his spying and came back and said, let's go for it. It's hard, but let's go for it. The other 10 spies said, no, too bad. And the people were judged, and they spent 40 years, a whole generation didn't get into the promised land. And they've now got the 40 years gone, all those people have passed away, they've got the promised land, and they've done this amazing, it's been really amazing the last couple of weeks for them. They've come to the Jordan, and they've had they crossed the Jordan in the same miraculous way, sort of, as they crossed the Red Sea. But this time Joshua's led them, rather than, than Moses. Part of the mark of, of, of God's authority, declaring Joshua to be the leader. He said it as well before. But that is like, wow. God's clearly with us. The people of Israel should not be in any doubt, and Joshua will be in no doubt, that he is the anointed leader, and they are at this point coming into the promised land. And that's the strategic thing. They know it's been promised to them, like forever. 
And that's what they're coming to. They're coming into the promised land to, to take possession of the promised land. And I have to say, for us, I can see resonances for me where there's like real promise of what we're coming into. And they've crossed the Jordan. And then, as they cross the Jordan, uh, they, have to, they have to deal with, uh, and I put this in the most gentle terms possible, they have to deal with the issue of circumcision because the blokes haven't been circumcised since they left Egypt. Joshua has, because the generation that left Egypt was circumcised, they left Egypt. They did the Passover, one Passover in the desert. They haven't done Passover since, because Passover declares about freedom, and the generation in the wilderness were judged to not go and gain the freedom. So, the, so they all crossed the Jordan, and all the men of you know, appropriate age, I don't want to dwell on this because it's painful, had to circumcise themselves. And it's a bit that makes me laugh, actually. It, the text says, Joshua made flint knives. I mean, how many you make for... 400,000 people, I don't know. I'm sure he didn't do it all himself anyway. But they made flint knives and they circumcised the people and did Passover. Now, once you've done circumcision, you don't immediately go to battle. <laughs> and so there's this period when they've come, they're in the promised land in a sense. They, they've crossed the Jordan. And, and, but then things have changed. The manna has stopped. For 40 years, they've been magically, magically, sorry Lord, miraculously, that's the word, they've been miraculously fed and supplied with manna, right? And they've eaten Passover and now it's stopped. It says they've ate the fruit of the land. This is a new thing. And, and I don't know, and I don't want to read too much into text here, but I'll tell you what, if you've lived on that stuff for 40 years and it's stopped, it's brilliant, but it's also like, oh, hello, it's a new season. But the season that was walking through the de desert, for they shouldn't have been there, I know, and guarding by the thing, well, that's stopped. We're now in the promised land. We're in the promised land, but we're not in the promised land. I mean, we're physically now across the Jordan in the promised land, but we don't possess it yet. It's promised, and, it, and, and you can absolutely trust God's promise. The promise he's given of what he's going to do ain't going to fail. And the people of Israel should know that. There's enough things they've seen very recently across the Jordan and so to know that's the case. Indeed, better than that, they've, they've like sent spies to Jericho and the spies have come back and said, the people in Canaanites are terrified. Their hearts melt within them because they know that God's given you the victory. The enemy is powerful but utterly defeated. Do we know that feeling? Do we know the sense that, that we see what God's called us to and we're like in it but not quite possessing it? And, the, and we know we've got the victory. We know Jesus won the victory. We know the enemy is defeated. And they know all this stuff. But nonetheless, for Joshua, who is the leader, for Joshua, who's the leader, there's the issue of, okay, what do we actually do now? And I've always thought this verse, people run on too fast to the next bit. You know what's going to happen, don't you? Who comes to see Joshua? The commander of the Lord's army, yeah? And what does he tell him? Walk around Jericho seven times, it will fall down. But, but don't jump to that too fast. Bear with me. Be with Joshua. With all these people, I, we don't know how many there are. There are 40,000 from the two and a half tribes, Transjordan, fighting men. So to scale it up by 12 tribes, we're talking probably about, I don't know, 
300,000 fighting men, so you know, half, a, half a million people. It's a lot of people. And he's the leader. And he knows what the strategic thing is. And he knows God's promise is secure. Take the land. Take possession of the land that is promised. But I tell you what, you've got to do something. And I reckon when the text records, now Joshua was near Jericho. They camped at Gilgal. Uh, it's about two and a half miles to, to Jericho. You wouldn't see it from there. I get this vision, this picture of jo- Joshua. Well, the people are getting healing up from, you know, the, the thing, the circumcision thing. Going off and looking and thinking, Jericho. Joshua is a, he's done, he's done battle leading. He has been the, in some ways, he's, le- he's been the general ru- leading Israel's armies even before when they've beaten Malachites and people. But they're, la- they're, they're open battles. They're battles in the open, in the field. This is a siege battle. This is different. And I, I don't know whether he's got any idea how to do siege warfare, how to attack a walled city. And, it's, and, and you know, I don't know, I no idea, but it's pretty clear from the, no one quite knows which level they've excavated Jericho is which, but it's, it's a big walled city. They build houses, Rahab's house in the wall. It's not some little sort of stockade thing. It's in the way, it's got to be taken. And I have a funny feeling that at this point, Joshua knows the strategic He's heard the prophetic call, if you like, what God called them to, but I'm not sure he's got any idea what to actually do. And to be honest, when it comes, who would ever thought of that? But Joshua, bless him, and I see him going up, you know, while everyone's healing up, and going up and looking at Jericho and thinking, Lord, what are we going to do? And, and, and for me, this resonates. I mean, it's not all my responsibility, but, but this time of the year, normally, and Lydia will tell you, uh, that I would normally be putting adverts out for inter- youth interns. Do we add fire for youth interns next year? I don't know. Uh, we've got a, uh, we've got a, we had a, <laughs> been up and down about this, we've got, a, we've got a salary in the budget for a youth and children's worker. Do we advertise? I don't know. We've got a parish centre. We've got to decide whether to appeal or not. I, I understand we're coming out. I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know the time scale, but we're going to come out of this pandemic lockdown y weirdo thing. What's it going to look like? I know God's with us and calling us. I know the revival thing is happening. I know God's doing And I know <laughs> that we're called into that. But tactics, detail? I, I find myself thinking, I, I know less now than I've ever known about what your youth. I, I just don't know. And so I, I find myself hoping that I can sense. Joshua is, I think he's almost, apart from Jesus, uh, I think he's almost the best person in the whole Bible. Right? I mean, he doesn't get a lot of credit for it, but he hardly ever goes wrong. Moses, like he killed people, didn't he? And ran away, remember? He married someone probably shouldn't have married. And then that thing with the rock where he, you know, defies God and told he can't go in the promised land. He's a bad boy. I mean, he's brilliant. Bless you, Moses. But David, you know, fantastic. Marsh my own heart, blah, blah, blah. He goes and gets someone, he, he, like, he fancies a woman, he gets the husband killed so he can sleep with Bathsheba. What? But Joshua, I think, recorded in Scripture, well, who knows what else, there's only two mistakes he makes. And one, I don't think, is a mistake. 
The first one is when he's, because Joshua had a great background. He was Moses' assistant. He was in the Exodus thing, right, for like the whole time. He's Moses' assistant. He went up the mountain with Moses to get those tablets of stone, remember? And when they come down, <laughs> the people of Israel have done the stupid thing and built a golden calf, that, that fantastic thing where Aaron says, they gave me the gold and I <laughs> melted it down and out came this calf. <laughs> yeah, mate. And the people are having a party or whatever, worshipping this. And down the mountain, Joshua says to Moses, I hear the sound of war in the camp. And Moses says, no, that's not the sound of war, the sound of a party I hear. Actually, I think Joshua is right. I think it was war. Not physical war, but very much spiritual war. I think in a way, Joshua actually was right there. That was the issue. It's a direct attack of Satan on what's going on with the people of God at this point. Let's try and get them back. And this point here, because Joshua, has, he's the guy who says that in, when Moses had the tent before the tabernacle was built, when Moses has the tent and he goes and talks to God in the tent, it says Joshua remained there when Moses came back into the camp. This is a guy who, who has lived and seen God speaking face to face with Moses, and I presume with him as well. And yet, at this point, when a commander of the Lord's army, I don't know who that is, whether that's an archangel or an angel, or whether it's a sort of one of these things where God or Jesus appears in human form before, before I don't know, but, but it's clear God speaking. When he appears, Joshua says, whose side are you on? I mean, he doesn't, when this happens, he doesn't get, he doesn't, his mind is somehow so taken up, I think, with the problem, what to do, that he's almost lost that. Okay, it's okay, because, because the man, so I'll read the text. He looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand, and he asked him, are you for us or our enemies? Neither, he replied, because commander of the Lord's army have now come. Joshua, bless him, and I want to encourage us. First thing about breakout. If you're going to do the breakout, if we hear the promise of what we're called to, don't do it until you get clear instruction what God's called you to do. Don't try and do it in your own strength. And that may require, annoyingly, waiting and feeling incompetent. I don't know how Joshua felt with half a million people waiting to take, go to battle and going up each day and thinking, mm, okay, no idea. Spend some more time recovering, guys. Eat some more roasted grain. I don't know how long it was. I wish the text would sometimes tell us that. And when I meet Josh, if I get a chance, I say, how long was it? Because there's not really good dates in here. But he went up there and looked and thought, no, no idea. And then when it came, it came like out of nowhere, left field, if you like, but absolutely clearly. And when it came, it is bananas. Walk around the city seven times. It's not a military strategy at all. But bless Joshua, he's learnt enough. <laughs> God tells you stuff, you flipping do it. Two things. To start breakout for the people of Israel, there's two things. One is wait until you get clear instruction what you're doing, because timescales are tricky in the kingdom. The large-scale plan of what God's called us to, for Israel, the large-scale plan that they're going to possess the land is absolutely clear. But the short term, what you do first and how you do it, the tactics, is not so clear at all. And that seems to come only at the right time when you need it. And so I encourage me and us as a church.
to be willing to stay in that place where, where we're willing to be. Okay, Lord, we'll wait. We'll wait to say clearly. To be honest, after the, it's not the only issue on my mind, but after the power center thing, the one thing I really felt from the Holy Spirit almost immediately was, don't rush. Not a very helpful thing, mind you, but don't rush. And I think I want to encourage us to church. It's sense, oh, I don't know, it's the truth, and that's where we're going. But to hold our breath and wait. Does that make sense? So that's that. And the time has come, and there's a new phase, and they cross the Jordan, and here we go, and they're not doing now. It's a big task. Off they go, and they do it. Now, I then want to say a bit happens after, they, after this happens. So, so that's about breakout. That's about, the breakout is from into the promise that's been given to you. And they win the battle at Jericho, and it's fantastic. And if you read the book of Joshua, there are, I think, then, three things Two are sort of obvious and one's not so obvious that go wrong. And I want to say those as well. I think breakout, you see, has its dangers. Militarily speaking, when the US First Army tried to encircle the Germans, it's a risky thing because you expose your flank. You've been stable where you were. You were in a beachhead and you had all the supplies sorted out and everything was going nicely and it was all like, you know, stable. You weren't winning really, but you weren't losing. Nice, stable place. Almost secure in a funny way, although never in war, I know. But once you go for the breakout and you do this big sweet round, you expose a flank. And if the Germans had had any armour, which they in fact hadn't because they'd wasted it all, but if they had, then you can be the one that gets in trouble. There's a sense in which when you're in a situation where you're in that stable place, it's a place of safety, but not really. But when you come to the point of breaking out, whatever that looks like for us as a church and for Israel, there are dangers that come. Some of those dangers come because you're in a new situation. For Israel, it's a new situation. If you know what happens here, there's a guy called Achan who decides to keep some of the, the gold and silver and stuff from Jericho. They hadn't had this in the past. For 40 years, they'd been in the desert. There was sand and manna, and that was about it. Suddenly, there's loot. And one person, oh wow, one person, one person in whatever, half a million, decides to not be clear to the commandment of God. And that's going to cause real problems for Israel. And again, you think, oh Lord. So my, my, my first statement, I think, is break out when it comes, wait till you hear what God says, and then be very obedient, even if it's weird. Second is beware that dangers come when you start opening up. And one of them is you have to keep obedient to what God's told you. They've been told to devote it all, to get rid of all of it. But Achan decides to keep some for himself. It's a lack of obedience. But it's not immediately obvious. They don't find out immediately. What happens is they then go and take a little city called Ai, which is tiny compared to Jericho. It's not a probable city at all. And they send some spies. And the Israelites say, they say, okay, we don't need to spend the whole army there, guys. 2,000 men will do. We don't need all 200,000 fighting men. Just send 2,000 people. Now, that, of course, the spiritual thing's been lost already. Do you get? Because of the sin of the bloke, okay? But now it happens that they start thinking what is logical. They're absolutely right. They don't need 400,000 people to take eye. We can plan it ourselves. Now, you've gone from... Joshua standing outside Jericho, waiting to get a clear command from God. Two, we can do this plan ourselves. 
And I can sense, if you can't sense it in me, I can sense it in me. But once things start moving, I'll want to get into detail of planning again. And it goes horribly wrong. They get beaten, they get routed. A lot of people die. And then they go to God and say, what's gone wrong? And God points out that this guy's stolen this stuff and that has to be dealt with first. Dangers, once you get, once we get into breakup, once we start moving forward, there are dangers. And one of them is not, not, not clear obedience, sort of half obedience, that makes sense. And the second is try and do it in our own strength. But the third one is more subtle, I think. And the third problem that comes in breakout is they don't complete what they should be doing. Joshua's brilliant, but by the time he stops and ends hands on to his you know, successors or whatever, when the time he finishes, they haven't finished the task. They have broken into the land, they've taken a lot of it, but they then don't proceed with it. There's a really critical verse, uh, probably an editor's verse at the end of Joshua, where the editor says, um, Oh dear, where has it gone? Um. I can't find it, I'll bother. Towards the end where he says something like, all the times of Joshua's life, the people good and the elders that outlived him. But where's it gone? Oh, never mind. Look it up yourself. And of course what happens is, we get the period of the judges where the people just compromise. And it doesn't carry forward. Uh, and it's not probably, no one knows the dates. We know dates of David, and he pretty much secures the land, but it might be 400 years from this before they subdue the rest of the Canaanite cities uh, and really get the land totally controlled by Israel. And so the third danger is, having heard what God said, we go and do it, but then we stop short of what God called us to. We compromise and settle. Church, I don't want to be in the generation that gets an opportunity to really push kingdom forward and then halfway compromise and settle. And, and I don't want us to be either. Does that make sense? And we're not there yet. I think, I think very much we're at the point of having to be outside Jericho waiting for, that cl- for those clear instructions. They'll come because God's not going to the prophecies are absolutely sure. It's quite clear. And we're part of that. God's calling us to it. His kingdom will be built here. Amen? And we we're part of that. But we've got to wait until it's clear what God's calling us to do. And I've got to be disciplined myself, and all of us in a way, to be in that place where we say, Lord, at your word. But when your word comes, I want to do it absolutely. I don't want to be half doing it. And I don't want to start making my own plans, and I want to see it through to completion. I want us to commit ourselves in a way to doing that. Breakout is an exciting but a dangerous phase of what God is doing. I've got more I could say, but I think that's enough because you're looking sleepy. Do you want to stand up for me? If you're here. I think we're going to do. Th- I think we're going to do this a bit quietly, actually.
Thanks, Johnny. Yeah. So I think, I think first of all, just a sense of, would like us all again, just quietly, just to reaffirm that, Father, we are absolutely wanting to hear what you say to us. We want to commit ourselves individually, in our home groups, in our families, in our church as a whole, to being obedient to what you tell us. We just want to thank you. Alongside that, really thank, just, just take a moment, thanking God for the people the folk we have in this church who are able to like share prophecy, revelation with us, the way that's moved forward in the last three or four years, we're in a good place for that, really. Maybe not a perfect place, but a much better place. And so the three things are, I want to move on your word. I want to move exactly as you say. I don't want to plan in my stuff myself. I want to be open to you. And I want to see things through to completion. There's three things there, really. First one, like, falls together. I want to be absolutely obedient to your word. I don't want to plan it myself. And I want to see things through to completion. If you're happy to say those things, we're going to say them, I think, today we're going to say it quietly. Those at home, just say it. For me for my family, for my home group, for my group, whatever I run, for my church, the church here. I'm going to be obedient to you, absolutely. Wait for your word. But then when I hear it, I'll be absolutely obedient. I don't want to plan stuff myself. I don't want to start with the spirit and end up with the flesh. However weird, however weird it is what you tell us to do, never out there. And I want to see it through to completion and not compromise. And Father, you know our hearts, you know the people who are here and online this evening are the people who, yeah, we want to be the storm troopers, the, the front guard, the vanguard of this. We want to see, Lord, your kingdom built. Your kingdom may come. And we commit ourselves, Lord, just to waiting for your word, but then being obedient in detail, not going back to our own devices, but learning to be your people absolutely, and then pushing in to wherever you call us to. But just good to stand quietly for a while and let God speak to you. As always, as Laurie would say, if you get words, if you're in church, you can share them with Laurie or me as we go into worship. If you're online at home, you can um, send them by any like electronic means that works to to Laurie and we'll share them but let's just stand in God's presence for a while and Johnny will take us into worship in whatever way